Hello, you're listening to Shut Up and Watch This, episode number 79. I'm Dave. I'm Ashley. And we're a couple in Austin, Texas, getting to know each other better by uncovering each other's movie and pop culture blind spots and sharing our must-see movies and guilty pleasures from the past. Each episode, one of us chooses something that the other person has never encountered it before, never even heard of, just is not aware of it all. That's a lie. This, this is a DVD. It's a movie. It's a movie. <laughs> I have actually heard of it before. But we take turns choosing. I chose last time. You chose this time. That's that's how it works. <laughs> what did you choose? I chose in in to get in the spirit of Halloween. Uh something weird, something horrible, something kind of weirdly horrible. Whatever happened to Baby Jane? Yes, it's a nineteen sixty two film. Yes. Directed it does by... not have Bette Midler and Joan Collins in it, contrary no, to popular belief. That's exactly what you said. <laughs> I know. You horrified me. <laughs> so we'll be talking about the 1962 version with Betty Davis and Joan Crawford. <laughs> yes. Not and not, <laughs> as we were preparing to uh, view the movie the other night, Whatever Happened to Baby Jane with Bette Midler and Joan Crawford, as Ashley suggested. And then I panicked because I thought... Joan Collins. Joan Collins. And then I thought, is there a version of this movie that was like on TV in the 80s or something that I don't know about? And why would you choose to watch that one? So there's just like, I have categories in my brain. And like one of the categories is people whose names are (laughs) B-E-T-T-E. What's fascinating is that you got a Betty and a Joan. Yeah, yeah. But you got the wrong Joan, too. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we did watch the original classic 1962 yes. black and white film directed by Robert Aldrich. Yes. And uh, we survived and we're here to tell the tale. Yeah, it's it's a weird film. It's it's It makes you uncomfortable. It's kind of creepy. <laughs> yes, we have two sisters... Yeah. One child actress, Baby Jane Hudson. Hudson. Baby Hudson. Jane Hudson. What's that terrible song that she sings? Uh, I, I'm I'm writing a letter to Daddy. I've written yes, a right. letter to Daddy. So it's just you know. That if was you my haven't rendition. seen this before, she's an atrocious <laughs> child singer, spoiled brat on the vaudeville stages in the early teens or something. Nineteen hundred. Nineteen seventeen, I think, is when it starts. So yeah. And her her sibling is on the outside left out while Spoiled Brat gets all the attention and makes yeah. the money for the family. And oh, then... God, the little actress that plays um, Joan Crawford as a youth is just, like, so creepy looking. She's, I don't yes. know, she's got the straight across baby bangs and, oh, it's and her hair's done in, like, braids. It's very American. She should be guest starring on Twilight Zone episodes yeah. or something. I bet she... Maybe she yeah, has. Maybe she was. There were just some. There, there were just creepy children, yep. you know, who played creepy children on more than yeah. one occasion. <laughs> so anyway, their fortunes reverse. Yes. And by the thirties, by the thirties, the uh, left on the sideline sister Blanche mm-hmm. is a famous and well-respected Hollywood star, and Baby Jane is a washed-up, awful, forgotten nothing. Yeah. That her sister. Uh, arranges in their contracts to have roles thrown her way. Yeah. Just to keep keep the peace, I suppose. Well, there's that whole thing in the first like after, you know, baby Jane is so terrible to her sister, her mom 
says to Blanche, you know, be nicer to your sister than she is to you right now. You That's know? true. So it's... But... <laughs> the, the heart of the movie, the most of the movie, is the tale of them as old biddies. Yes, in the, in the... After a terrible car accident, mysterious car accident... Uh, that leaves Blanche. Joan Crawford Blanche is left bound in a wheelchair cared for by her demented uh, former child star sister yeah the brutal <laughs> and cruel baby Jane yeah played by <laughs> Betty, Betty Davis, Davis yeah with some of the most horrifying so makeup you've ever seen <laughs> so I just wanted to give enough to set the so we know what we're talking about but um how did you encounter this movie so I went through a phase of watching sort of culty, campy type films like The Bad Seed and... Um, oh, uh, I could see that being a good double feature with uh, this. There was another one that came I've to mind. I've never seen that. Oh, well, you know, if you enjoyed The Small Assassin, then you'll enjoy The Bad Seed. I enjoy these <laughs> things. Um, but also, I think the reason that I sought it out specifically... Oh, so uh, I shot Andy Warhol I saw around the same time. So I just would go to, like, a movie store back when there were movie stores and pick out, like, weird stuff. But um, one of the reasons I sought out this movie in particular is there was um, TV show creator Ryan Murphy. One of his first shows was a show called Popular, which was yeah. on the WB. It only ran two seasons. It's, like, fantastic, campy, teenage thing it's it's hilarious if you haven't seen it you should check it out it's like most ryan murphy things really like mixed because like he really sometimes treats his actors like barbie dolls like today oh, you're going to do this weren't you you always <laughs> said that uh, i think in that show in particular he's not consistent with characterization no it's just char- kind of what he wants to do with whatever them, they want to do but they had one episode where the two um Teenagers who hate each other, whose parents are getting married, and now they ha- they're forced to live together. There's an episode where they imagine that they're Blanche and Baby Jane, um, and it's it's really funny. It's a really I mean, like Ryan Murphy obviously has seen and loved this film for many years because it's like a really good like rendition of it. So it made me want to see the original. Um, so that's probably when I saw it was sometime after I saw that one episode of Popular, which we should watch sometime, but. (laughs) I think audience out there, if anyone uh, is a fan of the television show, The Facts of Life, Mm. I have this vague memory that maybe the first time I heard of Whatever Happened to Baby Jane was an episode of The Facts of Life where Tootie was imagining or performing a scene from whatever happened to baby jane with either natalie or blair i don't know did i make this up i'm gonna have to look it up later i don't know the facts of life so the facts of life girls the facts of life girls doing whatever (laughs) happened to baby jane was probably terribly wonderful or wonderfully terrible or something because i remember it all these years later yeah so i mean it's clearly become sort of a like a cult phenomenon you know i think and heightened by the fact that there was such a horrible rivalry between Joan Crawford and Betty Davis who Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> I really really like need to research that now. Like yeah. I I think saw that there's a book that somebody wrote about the rivalry that I, and I wonder if Karina Longworth did an episode of her you must remember this podcast yeah. at some point cuz 
this I need to know more about. It sounds fascinating. Just <laughs> well, they the... made a whole like mini series about it um, a couple years ago. Some of those are good too. Um, which like the only thing I really heard because I was fascinated by it is Olivia de Havilland came out of her you know long retirement. You know she died just a couple years ago, but like. You know, oh, and said the... that this is all complete nonsense and like. Oh, that's the movie that she came <laughs> yeah, out that to comment was called on. Feud. I remember yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Aww. We finally lost. So she Olivia was portrayed in it, and somebody like asked her about it in an interview or something this is like, like that. This is, this is nonsense. This is. <laughs> well, maybe the movie's nonsense, but they did have a really bad feud. Yeah, they did going on. <laughs> I was reading about all the shenanigans about... I mean, can you imagine Betty Davis was nominated for Best Actress yeah. and Joan Crawford didn't get a nomination? Well, and you can see why. Betty Davis's like performance is like delightfully unhinged. It's like completely... Like, she went for it. Like She has a whole like different walk and like different ways that she talks. It's fascinating. And Joan Crawford is just kind of playing the nice, high-talking sister. Like they didn't... Which, again, I'm not used... I yeah. don't think of her as yeah. doing. Like, <laughs> so I'm going to point this out. This is the second Joan Crawford movie you've chosen in a row. Yes. The last one we did was Mildred Pierce. That's right. All right. So these are like now, these are like two of the three Joan Crawford movies I've ever seen. Is that, did we just change the podcast to Joan Crawford? To Joan podcast? Crawford. All Joan Crawford all the so, time. And it's totally broken my idea. Well, I think the only her. other one I've ever seen was The Women. Maybe. Yeah, that's it. I've yeah. seen those three. That's yeah. it. The Women is the other one that I've seen. But my first experience was when I was a kid seeing Mommy Dearest, on, and I probably mentioned this last time, on Showtime or when it, when <laughs> I've it never on. seen it. So. My sister was like, oh my God, this is so demented. You have to see this. You well, know? I mean, I know that that is also like a big sort of like, like cult camp sort of thing, like the No More Wire Hangers part. Like I know that quotation. I've never seen the movie. Oh, but... well, they used to show that scene all the time when yeah. you showed a scene from, from uh, the movie. That's, <laughs> that's the one you saw. Um, I don't have I, any I wire think... hangers. <laughs> so, yeah, okay. It's not really, it's a terrible, uncomfortable movie. It's not very well done either, I don't think. Well, I... Also, when we were doing this research, I learned, you know, because that's based on stuff that Joan Crawford's daughter said about her mother. Apparently, so in this movie, um, Betty Davis's daughter plays the, like, the daughter this, of the next door the neighbor. weird scene at the beginning where, like, we don't get introduced to the main characters in their old age. We get, um, we get, like, a glimpse from the next door neighbor who is, like, watching Joan yeah. Crawford's old movie on TV. Um, and anyway, the daughter in that scene is actually Betty Davis's daughter, who also wrote a book about how terrible her mother was. Um, that I didn't know. Yeah. Well, she's the one, Wait, when she so comes there... on screen, I was like, man, she's giving me, like, lesbian vibes. But it turns out that she's now some sort of born-again pastor, so I was completely wrong about that, but... What, something about her look and her, <laughs> her vibe. look in the, in the in the movie she she just struck me as but that's a weird frame story like so we start with the flashback to baby jane and then we have the flashback to the 30s movie career and then the next scene is like a mother coming home and like watching t watching the joan the joan crawford movie on tv with her daughter and that's and they live next door yeah. to the Hudson sisters is how yeah. it's kind of a weird 
introduction well, into the scene designed for your husband to say, "What's going on? Who are these people? <laughs> Do we know who these Do people we know are? Who these people I'm are. one of those people some, sometimes who who say these things. Well, it's it's interesting to me because like you are like, I mean like such a big movie fan and like you're familiar with all the different structures of movies and one of the big structures is like they introduce something where you're like a little bit confused and it like I think grabs your attention you know I think that I'm just I think (laughs) partly what it is is that when we're watching movies at home on the sofa I'm just activated to like talk along with it in a way that I wouldn't if I obviously if I were watching myself or we're in a movie theater so I think I'm just like my filter's not on and I'm just saying the things I wonder about yeah but I literally I mean I don't think I really think that the story was told incorrectly or that, yeah. or that it doesn't make sense and we, and we will never know and it's a flaw this like strange anomaly in the script that will never be explained it's more like i just can't shut up and i have to say <laughs> so i'm turning into like one of those older people who like what'd she say larry what, what she what did she say so it reminds me of um i've probably told this story in the podcast before but i went to see adaptation at a suburban oh, yeah, yeah. bargain theater once, which like was probably a mistake. You don't see adaptation at, in Pflugerville. You can stop there. That's yeah. funny. It's a funny line. <laughs> you don't see adaptation in Pflugerville. So we were watching adaptation. You don't see it at the Tinseltown and, in Pflugerville? And like Nicolas Cage is describing, um, I guess he's the brother. The brother is describing his screenplay, which is called The Three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is like a multiple personalities thing. Um, anyway, and so I'm like cracking up at the description of this this um, screenplay because I could totally see like like somebody making this this like silly serial killer horror film called The Three. It and sounds <laughs> like some made direct to video movie that actually exists. So I was cracking up, just laughing my ass off. And the woman in front of me, like, so we're sitting in the second row. This woman is sitting in front, like in the in the like seats where they have room for the wheelchair. She's not in a wheelchair, but she's in one of those chairs. And she turns around and looks at me and she's like, just what is so funny? <laughs> so Apparently she 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 missed it. She didn't, it. She didn't get that it. That was a joke. Yeah. But I don't I don't understand why she was at ad- adaptation anyway, other than it was what was playing in Pflugerville at the time. So <laughs> because it's it's an important adaptation of a book starring Meryl Streep. Yes, I, I guess there's that, and they they she just loves that Nicolas Cage fellow. So anyway, um. <laughs> so we, so you, th- you how long ago did you see this in your Denton era? When you were renting no. movies, or here at UT days, or or just recently? Oh, Not recently. this movie. You said, yeah, whatever happened to Baby Jane? Um, you said you saw it when you were renting odd cult movies and stuff like that. I think it was and, when I bought the popular box set. So whenever that was, bought it. I could probably go back in my Amazon okay. history. And so find you don't that associate out. it with any particular time or. No, not really. I mean, I, the thing is, I, I just, I love weird films. Like, it's always, I didn't realize it was such a big thing for me. I don't know why. But, like, I always thought of myself as, like, especially with my ex-husband, like, following along in his learning about things. Yeah. But I've always liked weird, small films. Like, my whole life. I just didn't really think about it that way. But I used to, like, just, like, on instinct, I would go into, like, 
the big blockbuster in Lubbock and like pick out the strangest films and just watch them like late at night on my little TV, you know. I have to say, you're still really good <laughs> at going to like Criterion Channel mm. and dialing up some really weird independent film or some yeah. some Taiwanese thing we've never seen before. And you'd like, they're always really interesting. Yeah. I, well, I have, the, there's always something. I like it to be a little dark. Um, I like it to have... You know, it's just something weird and or unusual about it, you know, about about the people or about the story, um, you know. So, like, I've, I've been totally digging all these, like, South Korean films mm-hmm. because they all have a little bit of something just a little bit dark about humanity. And I love that. You this... mean, like, the Bong Joon-ho movies? Yeah, like, yeah. Parasite and yeah. stuff like that? <laughs> but this film, something about it always made me uncomfortable. It's not one of my favorite films. It definitely left an impression on me. And I'm a big Betty Davis fan. I, I love her from... Um... All About Eve. Yes, thank you. I know your brain. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I visited your brain on That's occasion. That's right. Uh, and, uh, turns out Anne Bancroft won the Oscar this year for a miracle worker against Betty Davis in the... Same 62 or 63, whatever it is. Anyway. Oh, I was like, this year? No, Betty no, no, Davis no, is no, dead. no. This year, 1963 <laughs> okay. or whatever. Whatever the Oscars were. That's right, were. okay. So, I mean, like, it's just... Because it's not just... I mean, like, it is campy. It is over the top. But, like, the sort of, like, creepy... Like, the control that she has over her sister and the sort of, like, unhinged behavior and, like, the sort of, like, back and forth between this, like really like because she she does some like like she's stealing money she's pretending to be her sister on the phone in order to order things that is some of the yeah. best stuff ever is i know betty davis doing so joan good. crawford's voice on the phone <laughs> and instantly transforming and we get to see her make yeah. the call so you see her face change mm-hmm. and her manner her intonation she has the the more yeah. refined voice and then it it's gone as soon as she hangs yeah. up the phone again. Well, it's like sometimes she seems a very like clever and calculating and with it. And then sometimes she seems like very childlike and like, you know, and the, I don't know. It's well, it's delusional. Un, it's, un, too. it's delusional. It's really uncomfortable. And then to be to know that Joan Crawford is completely like beholden unto unto baby Jane because like she can't really do anything herself. There's a scene where she sort of like drags herself down the stairs in order to use the phone. Oh, and we have to you build know? to that after yeah. her being tortured for, you know, 90 minutes. Yeah. yeah. She's a prisoner. <laughs> yes. It's terrifying. <laughs> so if you were in a wheelchair, why would you be in the second floor? Yeah. What, you would think that you would move downstairs. So she's completely... De- they don't have an elevator. Mm-hmm. How, how does she get up? <laughs> I, I mean, even, I assume I she was understand. carried up and then somebody yeah, carried the wheelchair up. Like, you she know? is housebound and she is stuck up there. And she's at the mercy of her loving caretaker. Yeah. Her sister, who hates her guts and is jealous of the fame that yeah. she had. But also delusional because she still thinks that she's important. Yeah. I think... On some level, she still thinks she's important. Every time she meets a stranger, she's kind of name-dropping who she is. Oh, I'm, Baby, I'm Jane. Baby Jane Hudson, don't you know? Yeah. <laughs> you probably remember me from 
<laughs> Nobody remembers. Well, sometimes you, sometimes yeah. people pretend rather than, you know, embarrass her. And sometimes... You, you well, know. and most of these people are younger than she is, yeah. so they wouldn't have even been alive. But I don't think know. Baby Jane Hudson was probably a national name anyway. No. I think her worldview is that of the spoiled child who is the biggest thing at whatever variety theater in that city or whatever. Yeah. It probably wasn't much more than that. <laughs> like... That fame was in her head. Yeah. And uh, and then, you know, you get the, the this whole section of the movie later on that where it kind of turns into Sunset Boulevard where she's going to, like, do a comeback. Yeah, yeah. And she hires that weird <laughs> piano that, player. That's British... another weird thing. Like, he's, he's British and his mom is British, but they live in L.A., I guess. It's very strange. I don't know. I'm really fascinated. Like, <laughs> did they write these characters as this weird English mother and son? Like, or was it in the casting that they went British? Or it just struck me that boy, these are really unusual um, <laughs> supplementary characters that they came up with. Like, we spend some time with them yeah. when he is looking for a job in in the one ads at his house and pecking around on the piano. And his mother makes the call for him and all that. And you're spending like, I don't know, five minutes or so with them. You're like, what is, who are these people? Well, it's interesting. When, like, we first meet them, his mom has sort of like an, you know, a not very smooth, like, I don't know. I don't know enough about accents, but maybe like, like an East London type accent sort of thing where it's, you know, not, it's not posh. No. At all. But then, like, when he goes to meet Baby Jane, like, he puts on this, like, more posh British accent oh, when he's, he's talking to her. he's just putting it on. Yeah. He's just putting on a yeah. different class. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's interesting. But, the, yeah, those... When he made up some story about his father being, like, an important in musical, right? A, in yeah. A symphony or something. I can't remember what it was. was his father was a composer. So he had some kind of story about his background yeah. that just came up for a moment that you're like, no, you don't. You just, you're like some nobody who lives with your mom in this. <laughs> it's, it's very weird. It's weird the way they bring them in. It's like weird what his role in the film is, which is like, seems to be just to finally discover what baby Jane is doing to her sister, you know, through a weird set of circumstances, you know. <laughs> well, and he, yeah, he enables baby Jane's delusion to get to the point where it completely goes off the rails, yeah. where she pretty much goes like totally mad by the end. Yeah. <laughs> like it's probably not a spoiler since it's 1962 to say that we end up with her on the beach twirling around in front of, uh, teenagers <laughs> thinking that she's you know performing uh, baby jane material for them <laughs> on the stage or something yeah it's just it's really dark and it's what's not clear is that you know you know whether her sister is like dying from exposure and starvation at this point you know she's just kind of lying on the beach well i wasn't sure if yeah. she was still alive yeah I mean, or I, I thought she was like on the edge you know yeah. barely would they be able to tell a story like that in the 60s yet? I mean, like, I know when we, later in the 60s, I don't you know, but did that. you see that the movie was rated X in Britain because, of, because of the subject matter and it had to take some cuts because I don't, they didn't say what specifically in the article I read, but that it was, the subject matter was too, would not pass their censors. Interesting. Some, you know, and the subject matter is this, like, 
horrible cruelty and torture yeah. of elderly people. Yeah. And, and somebody who's, you know, disabled. disabled. Yeah. So it's not, I mean, it's, I, you know, there's stuff that's hard to watch in this movie. Yeah. Even though it's so campy. Let, like, that's one thing that's really <laughs> interesting is the tone of the movie. I mean, I guess I thought it was going to be... I didn't know it was going to be, like, a good movie. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was just going to be completely nuts, like, and maybe kind of bad. You know, I didn't really know anything about it. I don't think I knew it was directed by Robert Aldrich. I don't... I didn't know that it had done so well, that it had Oscar nominations and, you know, Betty Davis. I didn't know that it was, like, in its way respected as a film, you know, and that it, like, cleaned up at the box office and was a success and all that. I thought it was just kind of some weird trashy cult movie. Yeah. So I was actually pleasantly (laughs) surprised that, like, you know, how well-constructed a story and how artfully directed it is and then those performances. But the tone... Yeah. It's... It's dark. It's funny. It's... And like you say, the, the performance by Betty Davis... And the stuff that she's actually doing in the plot is so unhinged and over yeah. the top. It's hard to take sometimes. <laughs> well, what's interesting to me, and like, I don't know. So, like, there's a hint of this, like, so, you know, it's clearly, like, I mean, there's a reason Betty Davis got the Oscar nomination. She has more screen time. Her performance requires more of her physically, mentally, you know, all of that stuff. But, like, I think that that Joan Crawford's performance is a lot more subtle in this. But, like, there's this undercurrent, which maybe she doesn't quite pull out as much as that should be. But, like, it's there a little bit in the story and a little bit in the performance. In Blanche's character? In Blanche's character. Because there's the scene at the beginning where baby Jane and her father are just terrible to Blanche. And here, you know, her mom's like, you know, be nicer to your sister. And then Blanche, like, you know like, clearly, like, expresses her anger and hatred of her sister and her father, like, in that moment. And then we get a flash forward to later where it seems like Blanche is, like, looking out for her sister. But then, like, later, there's this, the buzzer, you know, I think it's that's the big thing, where, like, she's, she's using that buzzer not because she needs anything, but because she... She knows it irritates the crap out of her sister. You know, it's it's like her one thing that she can do. Yeah. To, it's the one power yeah, that she has. Is to use that terrible buzzer. And our cats hate that. They yeah, hated our that cats buzzer. Were trying to watch the movie with us and they did not like Joan Crawford's <laughs> buzzer. But like there is a streak of meanness in in that character, in Blanche's character that I mean like it finally comes out at the end where she says like I I made I made it seem like you were the one who caused the accident, but it was actually me. Like she was the one that was trying to hit her sister with the car, and and well, she missed. You have to revise yeah. everything you think yeah. you understand about yeah. her because it means that she's let her sister like basically exist in madness and guilt for there for thirty five years yeah. or something like that, thinking that she's the one who drunkenly caused the car accident that put her sister in the wheelchair and it wasn't she just let her believe that she staged it and let her believe that yeah so i mean like there is some real deep animosity between the two of them i like i don't think either of them are good people like joan crawford's character tries to pretend like she's innocent and she's you know 
But she's not, you know. So, <laughs> how do you think? Does do you think Joan Crawford? Are they on the same page about what kind of movie they're in? These two actresses, because like Joan Crawford plays it so straight. I mean, like so naturalistically. She's very earnest, and, yeah. And and I like. Do you think? in her mind, the movie was more important and serious than it actually is intended to be? Yeah. Or, or is she just, she's being a consummate professional actress and that's her character and that's who she's supposed to be? Because Betty Davis, on the other hand, is like a lunatic. Yeah. I mean, she did her own makeup, apparently, yeah. and came up with this, this crazy, just pancake, white, garish with giant awfulness lipstick with and, yeah. the lipstick just smeared on and... And that kind of shambling walk and yeah. and uh, screeching and glaring, you know those famous yeah. Betty Davis glaring eyes. Are they? It's like they're in two different movies sometimes. Well, I mean, to me, like having seen, I mean, and I've seen a little bit of Joan Crawford, and she is a very natural in most of her roles. And, and like, I would say the difference between their acting is that Joan Crawford lets things happen and reacts to it, whereas, like, Betty Davis is, like, a force of nature. In every film I've ever seen her in, like, she makes people react to her, whereas Joan Crawford She's sits like back. She's, like, the energy in the room. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, just burning. And Jane, Joan Crawford, like, brings it in and, re you know, so I think it's a different style styles of acting, you know, they both have their strengths. I, I respect both of them as actresses. But Well, I, I already yeah. adored Betty Davis, but I'm actually enjoying getting more acquainted with Joan Crawford because yeah. I didn't... Like, <laughs> she's a much better actress than I realized. Yeah. And again, it's all because of this stupid Mommy Dearest movie. Yeah. With, and so my memory of Joan Crawford is Faye Dunaway being hysterical as a as a child-abusing Joan Crawford. Well, and which is not Faye actually, Dunaway is much more of a Betty Davis than... Uh, yeah, Faye, then a Joan Crawford. Faye Dunaway, I know. Maybe her character in Chinatown could have played Baby yeah, Jane Hudson. Yeah. I don't know. No, I like Faye Dunaway, but she's not subtle all the time. No, we love you. Um. So. So. I was trying to. You know, it's it's st like the still the one thing that doesn't really work for me is the weird frame story with the neighbor next door. That doesn't bother me. It's it's very weird to me like the way the I mean like I know this is how houses are in LA, but like to me like if so if you bought like it's supposed to be like Rudolph Valentino's house or something that they purchased or something yeah, like that. Yeah, you're right. I forgot about that. And like, okay, well, so Valentino had like a huge grounds with like a fence around it and stuff like this. So like the way this is set up, there's like a low hedge that separates the mm -hmm. driveway from Rudolph Valentino's house that they purchased and the next door neighbor who appears to be living in sort of a basic, you know, California um, you know, bungalow mm -hmm. <laughs> next door. And it's like, actually it looks like kind of like something that would have been built in the fifties or something like that. So I don't know, maybe it's a neighborhood where they had a bunch of old historic homes and they knocked a bunch of them down and now they have like new fifties bungalows next door. It's just kind of a weird juxtaposition. And I guess that makes sense because like, you know, they're two sort of people who are out of touch with modernity, you yeah. know, you know, 
Blanche is still living in the 30s. Um, Baby Jane's living okay. in this teens. And but then next door is the is the modern world, I guess. So that serves a number of functions because yeah. you have that weird contrast between this strange gothic horror show going yeah. on like in broad daylight next to like the Donna Reed show yeah, or something. That, yeah, there's like the right? housewife that's like... So I'm thinking about that now. You have me thinking about the function of that, of the family next door. Yeah. And I think maybe one of its functions is to be kind of a, a sort of misdirection to mm. kind of, I don't know if that's the right word, but something that that creates in the viewer an, an illusion of there being a safety network yeah. in the neighborhood for Joan Crawford. Yeah. Because in the beginning where things are a little off and weird and just it's more about emotional yeah. abuse and the dead bird before the dead bird is served to her on yeah. a plate. And you kind and I, I'm thinking, well, you know, things are fine because there's still a neighbor next door who who knows that they're there and who's interested in them and who comes to knock and wants to meet them and like checks in sort of and you have the maid Elvira who who comes in yeah I, initially I thought it was more than once a week but it turns out she just has like she a comes weekly in on visit. Tuesdays I think is so her day. I'm thinking like well how bad can it get or how fast can it go because you have like they're not completely isolated from yeah. the world you have like this normal bland everyday sitcom family mother and daughter next door you have the the visits from the maid and and but no you're not safe that's not yeah. safe bland or uh, baby jane finds a way to get rid of the maid yeah well several ways to get rid well, of the maid. it's funny because like and, most of the movie you're hoping that elvira is gonna find out what's happening and save Blanche. Well, Elvira ends up yeah. being like the detective character in Psycho, yeah. right? Who go, who finds out and goes in and like very confidently walks up the stairs and goes to the room <laughs> and then gets it. When basically. did Psycho come out? Is it 60? 60. 60. Or 59 or 60. 50, 60. 60. No, it's 1960. Okay. So, so this it's, is just it's a couple, couple of years, years before after. this. So yeah. there's going to be, there's definitely Hitchcock influence yeah. in this. Another thing that struck me as like classic sort of Hitchcock games mm-hmm. is this business of um, of Blanche trying to toss the note out the window yeah. and the suspense of wondering, <laughs> of, of having the scene where they're talking, where, where Jane comes, is that her name? Yeah. She comes home too early and yeah. stands there before the next door neighbor sees the crumpled paper on the ground, yeah. but then she sees it right away and makes the connect. It's all done visually too. Yeah. She looks up, she sees the open window. She sees the crumpled piece of paper at the feet. She scoops it up yeah. before the neighbor ever sees it. But it's one of those great like Hitchcock type moments, yeah. like in Notorious or something where it's like, will they see that they have the key or with you know, like, well, and the same thing with Elvira, like when she goes up the stairs, you know, and, you know, insist that she gets, and she puts the hammer down, yeah. you know, so she can open the door and go see Blanche, and then... You can't you put know, the hammer down. Don't put the hammer down. <laughs> Elvira. And Elvira's so mad, and, yeah. and like, really concerned, and she's not worried about, nobody knows, like, how dangerous. Yeah. Although, I mean, she's, she's like, she knows that she's being held up there against her will, I think, but... yeah. She doesn't know she's a psycho. What are, why yeah. are we watching all these things? We're watching that show, You, right now, which yeah. was actually interesting to watch because there's some counterpoints and stuff yeah. going on. So, I mean, and I guess Elvira, like, and we never figured out what she did with Elvira. 
Like, well, wait. Didn't, well, she did, put she dragged her body and put her in the trunk or something, yeah, right? I but, think, but didn't they find her out in some, think, like Thousand Oaks or some somewhere one of the yeah. suburbs of of LA? I think. And and I think they genuinely didn't give us exactly what happened yeah. there. Although I admit I was tired, so I <laughs> I I thought maybe I missed a detail. No, like, I, no. I think they didn't show. I was that like, part. what happened to Elvira? <laughs> I thought that, I thought we saw her drag her out, wrapped up in something, yeah. and put her in the trunk or yeah. So, she used the wheelchair in the, gar- to, in the carport. In the carport. Yeah. And that's yeah one of the the neighbor one of the times the neighbor comes over and disturbs her while she's uh, trying to hide a body in the trunk. <laughs> Another thing that I think is done so well in the movie. Is you know I was just talking about the, dis- the how deceptively normal the neighborhood is and how you think that maybe Blanche is safe for a while, but like how how it escalates mm-hmm. what the what um, Baby Jane is doing to her, you know how it goes yeah. from off and weird and and this sort of emotional abuse kind yeah. of stuff to actual physical. I mean, there's yeah. a scene, isn't there, where she's like kicking her, yeah, yeah, on the floor. Like, it's when is it she, when she comes home and when finds, she comes home she's finds her on the, on the phone, phone trying to, to the call doctor. the police or the doctor. It's yeah. the doctor she's trying to call. She should have called the police. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then uh, Jane got to do her trick again, where yeah. she calls immediately back and says. I'm sorry, doctor. There's been a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> when it turns out we don't need you after all. That was pretty good. Yeah, it was. <laughs> you do I, a pretty I, good Betty Davis does John Crawford, I guess. He does a pretty good Betty Davis does Joan Crawford. Yep. Okay. <laughs> but um, so the I think the one the one horror that I knew about that you know its reputation precedes it is uh, being served the rat. Yeah. For lunch or dinner or whatever. Yeah. That's a classic well, that's thing. So... You just hear that referenced in like I've heard that all my whole yeah. life. The scene where she serves her the rat. <laughs> well, that's it's so interesting the way that builds because like so first you know we know that it's a tradition that her sister brings her her meals upstairs. on the tray covered on the tray a covered tray. So the the first one that happens is that um, she opens the tray and it's her bird her parakeet that she's oh she's just fucking with her and gaslighting yeah. her all the time right yeah she let her bird get away get away yeah. And then served it to her the next day for yeah. breakfast. So uh, then, I think it was for lunch. Um, then the next day, she just has a pork chop. It's just no, a pork no, no. chop. But she brings. But, but, but she doesn't. She brings it covered, and she's mm. afraid to open it because of the dead bird the day well, before. Well, she says it's funny because she says, "Did you know we have rats in the cellar?" Is what she says. And then she goes back downstairs, and so Joan Crawford's afraid, or Blanche is afraid to open it. So she doesn't end up eating that day. And then the next day, she's like, you know, uh, Baby oh. Jane comes up, and, and she's she's like, I'm hungry. And, and you know, Blanche is like, I'm hungry. And, and Baby Jane's well, like, you didn't eat your... It's too late now. You didn't eat your lunch, so I didn't bring you breakfast. And then she opens up the thing, and it's a pork chop, and she eats the pork chop while she's, like, looking out the window or something like that. So then the next day for lunch, she brings up the tray, and that's the one that has the rat. So it's, like, super... I had forgotten that she had planted the idea of the rat before. Yeah, yeah. And that's the reason she wouldn't... (laughs) She uh, wouldn't open it. Blanche wouldn't open them. Yeah. (laughs) That's the kind of stuff 
your mad, uh, crazy sister yeah. will do to you. Mine doesn't do that, though, <laughs> thankfully. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a disturbing It's so film. disturbing is right, because, like, I enjoyed it. I'm glad I saw it. I think it's good. But there's, I don't know, I can't remember which thing set me off, but there's sometimes where, like... I didn't know how to feel. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was like, I was kind of like, ooh, I think this is going too far for me. You know, yeah. I don't know what specifically, but it's, it. there's a level where it's trying, like, it's pushing the camp button. Yeah. Like, so much. The, like, over the top. This is nuts. Yeah. This is crazy. This is, like, ghoulish, outlandish fun. And then it just goes a little too dark or something. Yeah. And like, I feel myself recoil mm-hmm. and like, I can't, and the humor gets lost on me yeah. and I'm like, well, I'm actually just watching a movie about this woman torturing her disabled sister. Yeah. And so like, and I kept going mad at the same yeah, time. So I yeah. kept having that shift going on between like how I was reacting to what, to the subject matter and what I was seeing. And every once in a while there would be a development where I was like, nope, that's too much. <laughs> So, I just don't know. So, like, the creepiest part for me, so, is the, the the song that comes up throughout the film, which is the I've Written a Letter from to Daddy, mm-hmm. which is, you know, this, like, sappy, saccharine song that this little girl sang on stage back in the teens. About how Daddy's gone to heaven, da- right? Daddy's gone to heaven, and she wrote him a letter, you know. And um, so it's, it's like, really sappy and, and disgusting, but, like, as this, like older woman who's dressed like the child that she was like belting this like out of tune version of this same song and she's had the old costumes remade it's really creepy yeah that's and she actually (laughs) thinks she's going to be able to go out there on stage and perform the baby jane hudson material from when she's like (laughs) eight years old it's that's to me and like they have some of those shots where like she starts singing where Blanche can hear upstairs and there's this shot of like Blanche like realizing how sick her sister is, you know, by hearing this, you know, earnest, terrible, scary rendition of this like weird saccharine song that <laughs> You mentioned this earlier, but I really think in the character of Blanche they did a great job of like having her be very sharp but very delusional at the same Mm -hmm. time like think of all the ways that she's like um forging checks and you know or buying you know taking advantage of the 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 money and like being able to set these things in motion and go out into the world and kind of behave normally enough to get some of what she wants and yet be just really as deranged as she is yeah (laughs) <laughs> when, when, when she's with her sister. Well, and, you know, the other thing that's interesting is that, is like when we slowly start to see that Blanche is realizing that she has no control, you know, like at first it feels like she has like all the control with the buzzer and like people serving her and, and all of that stuff. But slowly, like she realizes she has no control over her situation at all, you know. But I'm, it's interesting to me that, like, <clears throat> that she, that Jane decides to torture her sister rather than just take her out, you know? Like, the only thing 
that makes her kill Elvira is that she's afraid she's going to get in trouble. You know, that's the reason that she had to kill Elvira is because she was going to tell, you know. Her existence depends on torturing her sister. Yeah, yeah. She would be miserable alone. She needs to have somebody to hate. Yeah. To actively hate. And to blame for her. Yeah. Her problems. But if she had just taken Blanche out, she would be nothing. She would have no audience. She'd have no power. Yeah. The way she treats um, Blanche, it's the only power, the only way she has any power in this world. (laughs) Yeah. This is nuts. Yeah. <laughs> so now you see, like, like I was hesitant to watch it because I like I know it's like an interesting film to watch and it's hugely influential, and like it's fl- hugely influential on you know directors that I enjoy, you know, that make equally weird things like John Waters. Well, and, I was thinking you know, like this can see elements <laughs> of this head into John Waters or yeah. Almodovar or something Yeah, yeah. Like that. Oh, definitely Almodovar. Yeah. Um, but there was another thing that we were watching. Oh, it reminds me of Misery in a way. True. You yeah. know, with the invalid thing I'm, going on. I'm and, sure Stephen King saw this when he yeah. was a teenager. <laughs> yeah. It all goes into the pop culture melting pot. Yeah, and then gets... I mean, but it, there's references to it. Like, all the time. But apparently this movie kind of... There was a trend for a while of, like, old people shock movies or something. Yeah. Like, I saw it. Like, they referred to it. Well, apparently Aldrich directed several more of them or something like that. Yeah, Hush, Hush, Sweet Charlotte or something like that. I've never seen that. Is that the two of them again? I don't think so. Or just Betty Davis? I think maybe it's just Betty Davis. I don't know. I haven't seen it. I don't know. I have to look into that at some point. <laughs> but I was surprised to hear that there was a genre or like a yeah horror biddies or bitty something. something. I was like, what, really? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that I'll seek out those movies, but uh, no. Well, I mean, like it. I, and I haven't seen it, but like you know, it was like I guess there were like a whole thing of of like in the you know, and it's it makes sense. It goes with like the pop culture. You know, and Andy Warhol and, like, taking, I don't know, but, like, like Beyond the Valley of the Dolls and, and, and those type of films that are kind of, I don't, which I haven't seen. I should see. The word pastiche comes yeah, to mind. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> where you're kind of taking these elements and recycling them and blending them into, into new Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's Andy craziness. Warhol. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or, um... Um, comic book guy. I've forgotten his name. Lichtenstein. Lichtenstein. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> so, are we going to keep going this route? Do you have more Joan Crawford movies to go? Do, I don't have no? to look. You know, I I honestly can't think of I, any off I the top like of my head. That you're tapping this sort of vein of cult movies because yeah. there I know there's a lot that I haven't seen. Yeah. And now I want to think of something good that you haven't seen well, that I think is weird and interesting. So there's there's another one that I always like to watch this time of year, which I think we talked about watching a couple years ago. Um, but it's it's weird. It's like a Disney made for Disney thing oh. called Watcher in the Woods. Well, we watched it, which is like Betty Davis's last film, 
what I didn't remember is it's a quite a bit slower paced than I realized, but the concept of it is just so interesting where it's like, you know, like at some point in the past during a solar eclipse, some people were doing some sort of weird ritual in a church and one of them disappeared, uh-huh. you know? And so all these years later, like in the eighties, um, you know, the same circumstances are happening. There's another solar eclipse, um, and so they're going to try to to bring back create the ceremony to bring, bring back, bring the, back person. the person who who got taken over. So I, I don't know, must have fallen really, asleep because I don't remember this. At it's all. really interesting. But I know but, that we tried. But I to think watch like it. Betty Davis is like the mother of the girl who disappeared or something like that. But hmm. it's like she's like nearly eighty or something, or she may be eighty when it's like her very. Well, she's last in uh, uh, um, Return to Witch Mountain. Oh, okay. The original Witch Mountain <laughs> series from the seventies, the one that I saw. So uh, yeah, she's the like the bank robber uh, yeah. person. The so that's that. They always showed that on back when like Disney Channel showed all sorts of weird stuff. This is where like so at one point Disney Channel was not just like Miley Cyrus and loud children who are rude. Um, <laughs> That's you just described yeah. like every single sitcom. <laughs> yeah. Um, prior to you know <clears throat> when they started making all those tween shows that they are so well known for nowadays, they would play like all their weird back catalog of like Disney has an interesting and varied back catalog that is not just like you mean like the, Pixar like and, the old Kurt Russell movies and stuff yeah all their weird movies all the, um all their weird cartoons they used to have like this the great, computer wore tennis like, shoes <laughs> Mickey's Halloween special where they would play like you know the dancing skeletons from the 1930s yeah. and um you know and then like they would play all sorts of weird scary movies you know that didn't have Selena Gomez in them so um I, you know, I bet that there's none of that left anymore, but that's what I grew up watching that and like Looney Tunes and whatever weird like Canadian and Japanese stuff that showed on Nickelodeon because Nickelodeon used to be super weird too. Yeah. You know, it was just like they would grab like we have 24 hours of content that we have to fill. So we're going to grab like Anything. all the weird stuff from our back catalog, yeah. every goofy commercial, um, you know, every Japanese version of weird fairy tales from you know the 80s and so like that's what I grew up watching so I have this like appreciation for this like weird conglomeration of you know <laughs> hmm. I'm just trying to think of what <laughs> like I, Mighty what Mouse and Darkwing Duck and Bell and Sebastian and you know all of this weird stuff you know and I think now everything is so uniform you know, it's all the same. And loud. And loud. And shouty. <laughs> and sarcastic. So, I mean, like, it, it you know, exposed, I guess, well, I mean, like, I don't know. Maybe, like, TikTok brings all sorts of weird things to you. Although it brings a lot of the same things to you, not mm-hmm. necessarily different things. So, I don't know. YouTube has the possibility to bring you all sorts of weird things. It doesn't always do that, though. Mm-hmm. You know, so something about not having a choice and just having to watch whatever you know, David. I don't have that experience anymore because be we haven't had cable TV in years. Yeah, <laughs> like everything we watch is self-selected. Although I, I mean, because I don't really watch YouTube or TikTok. Yeah, 
much at all. Well, I just, I totally, I mean, like, it never happened, <clears throat> but, like, if this had come on TCM, I would probably would have said, I mean, that's how I discovered what, um, uh, All About Eve Oh. Was it was on on a Saturday well, on that's TCM? That's how I saw half of the things, and yeah. I was like, "This is interesting. I'm gonna sit here and watch this." I used you know? to just love to like put on TCM in the morning no. or late at night or something and watch whatever <laughs> random B C movie Hollywood yesteryear was on. You know, I, we could have that, I guess, but um, I don't know. The convenience of being able to choose what you want is, and not having to watch ads is. I do have choice fatigue sometimes yeah. where I just can't even, like, there's too many things, <laughs> right? I'm picturing Heather Graham and Boogie Nights going, too many things. Too many. No, it's not her. It's, uh... Um, Julianne Moore? Yeah, Julianne Moore is the one yeah. that that one. Too many things, too many things, too many things, too many things, <laughs> too many things. I feel like that a lot lately. <laughs> Most of the time now. Most yeah. of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, do you have any last uh, remarks? I, wishes well I'm, I'm glad we got this out for in time for halloween hopefully we can get it out by tomorrow I, I mean i think it's a good watch um you know you know clearly there's some people who watch it and it's their favorite thing ever and they you know okay well I they would, quote it all the time i would go back tomorrow and yeah. see this in a packed movie theater with yeah. an audience because that would be such another it would a be completely really different good. experience well so and I and it, I mentioned a bunch of cult films. It reminds me of Spider Baby in a way, but Spider Baby actually takes it over the top. It's like clearly camp. Like Spider Baby is like there's not really any subtlety there. It's a really and good they're like film. cannibals and stuff too. Yeah, right? it's a fascinating film. I really like Spider Baby, but but whatever happened to Baby Jane is just earnest enough in in its presentation to. To it be was, more it creepy. It was accepted as yeah. a big movie of 1962 yeah. that did yeah. well at the box office and got Oscar nominations. Yeah. And now I look at it like, this is nuts. <laughs> well, I mean, and it has the feel of I'm Sun- so Sunset Boulevard. I'm so yeah. much more fascinated with Betty Davis than I already was after yeah. seeing Psycho. this performance. I didn't know how good this performance was. Yeah, it's 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 worth seeing like, just for that. I, I want to know more about the production of this movie. I want to know more about how they cast these women. Yeah. Like, was it hard to convince them to do this? Do you think Betty Davis <laughs> snapped it up right away? Do you think, like, it was hard to get them to work together? Um, should I watch that stupid TV movie? I yeah, don't know. Yeah, sh- I think we should watch the stupid TV <laughs> Maybe movie. Maybe we should do that and, and report back uh, <laughs> at the end of one of our <laughs> next episodes. Yeah. But, yeah, cool. Yeah. Well, thanks for finally getting me to see this. Yeah, it's another blind spot. Mm-hmm. Another that's what the whole show's about, but sometimes it's a big one. Oh, I can't always think of all the weird films that I've seen, but I I'm should really make the effort to do that because that is I'm I'm more into weirdness than um than almost anything, I guess. Okay. <laughs> Note to so self. I, love a, I love small stories about people about things happening to people and I love weird things. Those are the Weird dark things. So Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have to try and find a weird dark thing that you don't know yeah. of or haven't seen yet. Yeah. It's a challenge for me. It's true. Cool. Well, so maybe that'll be my next pick. I have nothing on deck. I have nothing in the back in the wings waiting. I don't know yet what it's gonna be. So you'll have to tune in. You will have me, to tune in because we're to gonna watch in. it and talk yeah. about it. They can come back as they want to, if yes. they do. Please do. And listen to us again. <laughs> um, 
thanks for listening and uh we will be back in a few weeks next month maybe who knows (laughs) our schedule life is weird life is weird i think we're and dark yeah (laughs) we don't have a regular release schedule if you're still with us you know that by now we try and get at least one episode out a month when we can we'll do two a month and that's about all we can commit to yeah thank god we got this one recorded yes all right thanks for listening we'll talk to you again soon bye